All right. We've been here for an hour and 30 minutes already. <laughs> if you're new here, I wish I could say that's abnormal, but it's not. <laughs> I'm so excited. Uh, Jordan in a team is in, the, I don't know if I'm allowed to say exactly where they are. So they're in the Middle East and they're doing crusades and uh, we should be praying for them. So that's what we're going to do right now. And uh, it's going to end with probably a 20,000 person crusade uh, where they're going to preach the gospel to 20,000 people in the Middle Eastern country. Is that not powerful? Come I mean, that is as cool as it gets. So, hey, let's pray for them right now. Let's just all just lift our hands to heaven. <laughs> Jesus, pour your spirit out on the team, God. And in, in, I'm just going to say where it is. Jordan said, I just remembered. They're in Pakistan. So, God, pour your spirit out in Pakistan, Lord. I pray, Jesus, that, that they would see more signs and wonders and miracles than they could have ever asked or imagined. I pray, God, that blind eyes would, would open, that deaf ears would hear. I pray for souls, 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 and souls. I pray for the man in white to show up and walk among them. And I pray for waves of waves and waves and waves of your glory to fall. So, God, we just pray a, a hedge of protection around Jordan and the team, God. Would you protect them? And I pray, God, I, they, I know they, they said a, a good number would be 20,000, but we pray for 30 and 40 and 50,000, God, that you would do far more abundantly than we could have ever asked or imagined. So we just love the story that you're writing. We worship you. Help me figure out how to make this 50-minute sermon into 30 minutes. Amen. I'm so excited. Is that all so cool that they're in the Middle East preaching the gospel to 20,000? Come on. That's the coolest thing I've ever heard. Wish I was there, not with you. <laughs> Just kidding. It's like practically my job is to be here so he can go, you know? So I'm really excited. I'm, I'm really excited for tonight for two reasons. One, uh, I think God gave me a word that is pretty darn good. And two, it's the last thing I do before I go on vacation tomorrow. And so I'm so excited. My wife and I are going to the beach for seven days. And uh, I'm just really excited. <sighs> wow. All right. We're just going to free flow because the sermon's really long, but we don't have a lot of time. Uh, but here's the deal. God is doing a lot in our church right now. Uh, I think we are probably in one of the most important seasons uh, of our church's history right now because I believe he's teaching us uh, what it means to minister to him. Uh, he's teaching us what it means to be worshipers. He's breaking our paradigm. <laughs> he's breaking our idea of what worship is to look like. And it is a really, really powerful season. And... Uh, I actually felt the Lord um, t last week. He said, AJ, I want you to, to preach the next three or four times as one of the worship leaders of, of the church. I don't want you to wear your pastor preacher hat. I want you to wear your worship leader hat. 
And uh, that's kind of vulnerable for me because, like, I'm new in the whole worship thing, but it's this, this season that the Lord has me in. And, and really, uh, why I feel like I, I want to share on worship for the next little while is because I want to try and contextualize and, and put us all on the same playing field. Does that make sense? Because what, one, one of the things that we've seen that's been happening is uh, God's glory is showing up in greater and greater measures in our services. And it's so awesome. Like, we just worshiped for an hour and 15 minutes, and his glory was here. But his glory was here before any of you walked in. In rehearsal, we were just absolutely wiped out in God. And, uh, and so this keeps happening to where like God's glory, even in rehearsal is showing up to the point where we don't even rehearse any songs and then church happens and we're like, ah, what do we do? And, and it's really this beautiful season where, where the Lord, where the Holy Spirit is leading us in worship. Um, and, but, but one of the things that's happening is I, what I can see is that a lot of times, uh, the stage and the worship leaders are, and the band are having these really powerful worship experiences and it's taking a little bit for the room to get it tonight. We got it, which was awesome, but you know what I'm saying? Like there's sometimes where it's like, we're looking at what's happening on stage and we're like, wow, that's powerful, but, but it's not really translating out here. Does that make sense? And I think there's a lot of reasons for that. I think we uh, need to grow as worship leaders. And I also think that there's just this reality that we're learning how to follow the Spirit of God. Like, we're learning. And that's why I loved what Becca shared tonight during worship. She was like, I just know the presence is here. I don't know what we're supposed to do, but I'm just going to engage. And, uh, and so my hope and prayer is that as we go on this journey of talking about the next three or four times I preach um, about ministering to the Lord, I hope that it, uh, it really kind of like makes us all know what to do when the glory comes. Does that make sense? Because we want to be people who host his presence well. We want to be a people who like... When the glory comes, it's like, ah, we're like gluttons for his glory. It's like, we just want to stay right here. We should make a t-shirt. That should be our merch. Gluttons for glory. That's, that would be sweet. You know, we just gave away all of our old merch. That literally just hit me in the spot. I'm, I promise. It wasn't even planned. Usually some of my funny things are planned. That one's not. Gluttons for glory. <laughs> That's the sermon title. Gluttons for his glory. And so my hope, my hope and prayers as we as we as we go through this this sermon series that I'm going to call ministering unto the Lord. Uh, my hope is that it, it brings us into common ground because all of us come into worship with preconceived ideas and notions based off the family systems we grew up in, on our preferences, the different church cultures that we all come from. We all come with a very different worship background. You know what I'm saying? And so my hope is that by us communicating and putting language to what is ministry into the Lord mean in this house that it will actually help us as a, as a community host his presence better. Amen. So I'm really excited. And here's, here's one thing that I know uh, about our church river house. I know that there's a Levitical call on our church. Uh, 
that there is a Levitical call to be people who minister unto the Lord first and foremost. I know that's why we are a house of prayer. That's why we spend an hour and 20 minutes sometimes in worship. It's because we believe that our call as a church in a lot of ways is to be like Levites of the Old Testament. Ones who are set apart, who, who look to just minister to him, to love him, to behold him, to offer sacrifices to him. There is a call on our church to literally get away to be with God and, and actually not minister to people, but just first minister to him amen okay so I know that is so true and I'm excited I believe I think I can say this um in the new year I think we're gonna launch like four or five more prayer sets which I'm like so excited about because this is what the Lord's doing he's teaching us what it means to minister to him so I believe there's a Levitical call in our house where we are first called to minister to him I also know that there is a missional call on our house to where we are to live missionally through the context of family like those are the two calls that are on our house to be ones who are set apart to minister to him and ones who are sent out to go out into all the world preaching the gospel in the context of family. Right. So and, and, and I'm just going to be super transparent with you. Uh, Jordan said I could, which is always good. You know, I always check when he's gone. I'm like, can I say this? He's like, yes. We're in the middle of figuring out how to like, as a pastoral team and board, we're in a, in a time period where we're trying to figure out what it means to live in those two tensions. Uh, what, it, what it looks like to be a people who are first called to minister to him and also be people who need to work on our healthy relationships and, and work on our inside stuff so that we can live in unity as a community together, you know? And we are still on a journey of trying to figure out how the heck to do this thing, um, but, but we're not gonna, like, we're gonna be obedient to the call of both in this house. Like, we will be a people who worship vertically and we will also be a people who follow the Great Commission and go horizontally out into all the world. Amen? And so for me, this is actually new for me. I would say that uh, my more of my orientation in the past in preaching has been horizontal driven, um, but I actually feel for the next few times I preach, I'm, I'm really supposed to wear my prophetic hat and, and preach vertically. Amen? I'm excited. You guys, some of this sermon is going to feel like it completely contradicts what I said the other week. <laughs> and it makes me laugh. I was like, Lord, did I really miss the mark last time I preached? He's like, no, AJ, it's just the different side of the same coin. I said, okay, good. Amen. That was funnier than you made it seem to be. <laughs> I still thought it was even funnier than that. Okay. Yeah. So today we're going to talk, um, we're going to talk about, cause I think ministry to the Lord is a concept that we haven't talked a lot about here. Um, but it's language that we use a lot. And I think that's like kind of unfair to, to use language, but then if you don't know what it is, then that's not helpful at all. And so really my goal for this sermon is to just really, really like have it be an introduction into like what is and, and what is and why we minister to the Lord. And then the next few sermons after that, that I preach will be on how we actually minister to the Lord. Does that sound good? 
For some of you, this is going to be new. For some of you, you've heard this before, and amen. All right, open up your Bibles with me to Jeremiah 33. Don't worry, this is a good chapter in Jeremiah. I always gets, you know. I appreciate that laugh. So that means you're reading your Bibles. All right, before we jump in, uh, I'm going to set some context for you. So, so Jeremiah is known as the weeping prophet, and uh, he's known as the weeping prophet because he would prophesy um, uh, to Israel, saying that if, essentially, if you don't start obeying the Lord, if you don't start being obedient to loving the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, if you don't do this, then you will find yourself in exile. And, and what is so tragic that you read all throughout Jeremiah is Jeremiah would prophesy warnings to the people of Israel over and over and over again. And over and over and over again, the people of Israel ignored Jeremiah. They said they did not like what he said. And so Jeremiah's story is sad. I mean, imagine like hearing from the Lord and he's like, preaching, prophesying, like, come on, people, turn, turn back to God, turn back to God. And they are just completely ignoring him. And, and now Israel is in exile. Everything that Jeremiah has been prophesying has now come true. Babylon, the Babylonians have come and take over Jerusalem in, in or Israel, and Israel has thrown Jeremiah in prison, even though he was right. <laughs> Okay, and so what's happening in Israel is not good. They have turned from God. They are worshiping false idols. They are worshiping pagan gods. They are, it's, it's essentially mayhem, and it's really, really not doing good. And Jeremiah is in prison by his own people because they don't like that what he prophesied actually happened. <laughs> And he finds himself in prison, and he's in agony, crying out to the Lord for his people. And this is what the Lord speaks to Jeremiah. Are you ready for this? Buckle up. It's real good. And I think this is a prophetic word over our church right now. Behold, I will bring to it health and healing. This is the Lord speaking. And I will heal them and reveal to them abundance of prosperity and security. I will restore the fortunes of Judah and the fortunes of Israel and rebuild them as they were first. I will cleanse them from all their guilt of their sin against me. And I will forgive all the guilt of their sin and rebellion against me. And this city shall be to me a name of joy, <laughs> a praise and a glory before all the nations of the earth who shall hear of all the good that I do for them. They shall fear and tremble because of all the good and all the prosperity uh, I provide for it. Thus says the Lord, in this place of which you say, it is a waste without a man or beast. In the cities of Judah and the streets of Jerusalem that are desolate without a man or inhabitant or beast, there shall be heard again the voice of mirth, the voice of gladness, the voice of the bridegroom and the voice of the bride, the voices of those who sing as they bring thank offerings to the house of the Lord. Give thanks to the Lord of hosts, for the Lord is good, for his steadfast fast love endures forever. 
For I will restore the fortunes of the land at first, says the Lord. Behold, the day is coming. Listen to this. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will fulfill the promise I made with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. In those days and at that time, I will cause a righteous branch to spring up from David, and he shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In those days, Judah will be saved and Jerusalem will dwell securely. And this is the name by which it will be called. The Lord is our righteousness. For thus says the Lord, David shall never lack a man to sit on the, on the throne of the house of Israel. And the Levitical priest shall never lack a man in my presence to offer burnt offerings, to burn grain offerings, and to make sacrifices. Skip down to 22. As the host of heaven cannot be numbered, and the sands of the sea cannot be measured, so I will multiply the offspring of David, my servant, and the Levitical priest who minister to me. <laughs> I will restore their land. Wow! Here Jeremiah is in prison. Because the people have been disobedient to God. They have forsaken their first ministry unto him. And what the Lord speaks to Jeremiah is that there will be a day when a righteous branch from David sits on the throne of Israel forever. And that righteous branch will inaugurate a new reality where a, the city of God will be known as a place of joy and of praise and of glory. In the streets will be heard again the voice of mirth, the voice of gladness, the voice of glory, the voice of the bridegroom and the voice of the bride. Jeremiah, in the midst of Israel's disobedience, is seeing a picture of the new covenant reality. The righteous branch that will execute justice and mercy is a prophetic image of Jesus sitting on the throne of our hearts. Hi! It is a picture in the midst of agony and in the midst of pain, in the midst of disobedience, when they have forsaken their first love. He prophesies of a day when a Messiah will come and sit on the throne and he will sit on the throne forever and he will execute justice and mercy and righteousness. And the hey, this is so good. And in those days, in the new covenant reality, what also will be with the righteous branch that sits on the throne? The Levitical priest who ministered to him. All to all the tribes of Judah, out of all the tribes, he didn't mention anything. But in the new covenant reality, we are called back to what our first ministry is unto the Lord. He says, he sees a picture where, you know, the Levites, if you don't know what the Levites are, if you're, if you're new to the Christian faith, it's an Old Testament tribe where their sole job and their only responsibility was to be set apart to minister, to sing songs, to sing praise, to bring glory to God. That was their only job. 
And Jeremiah prophesies of a day when you will not even be able to number the Levites because there will be as many as the sand at the beach and the stars in the sky. He's prophesying of what our first ministry is supposed to be in the new covenant reality because we are temples of the Holy Spirit. (laughs) And so therefore, our first ministry is unto him. He's prophesying of the church. The Levites, it's, it's the prophecy of the new covenant church where our first ministry won't be to people to where we get burnt out. Our first ministry will be unto the lamb who was slain, who sits on the throne, who will never leave and executes justice and mercy. This is the call. This is our first call. Amen. And as I was reading this all week, like thinking of a city whose name is joy and praise. What? Could you imagine our city being, our name changed to joy and a praise? Can you imagine if you were in the streets and you heard the voices of the bridegroom and the bride? This is, this is what Jeremiah saw in the midst of disobedience. And I, I think it's true for us today. We are called to return back to our first ministry, unto the Lord. It was always our call. Our call as the, new, as the New Testament, New Covenant Church, our first ministry is always unto the Lord, to love the Lord our God with all of our hearts, with all of our minds, with all of our souls, and with all of our strength. Amen. And when I was reading this, I couldn't help but, but think of 1 Peter 2.9 that says, But you are a chosen race, a holy priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into marvelous light. The new covenant reality of Jesus on the throne and us ministering to him is because the Levitical inheritance is better than every other inheritance. The inheritance that we see for the Levites in Deuteronomy chapter 10 and Ezekiel chapter 44 is our inheritance for the Levites is him. Where all the other tribes, where all the other tribes got profits from their work and their gain. The Lord looks at the Levites and he says, for I will be your inheritance. And that is the new covenant reality that the New Testament and Old Testament people long to see. This is what Paul is speaking about in 2 Corinthians 3.16. He, or in chapter 3, he's talking about the glory and how the glory that we now get to experience is so far greater than the glory of the old covenant days. Our first ministry is unto the Lord, and we get him as the inheritance. That's better than any financial inheritance you could ever get. You know what I'm saying? It's Jesus. <laughs> it's Jesus. He is the church's inheritance. Wow. Okay. 
Why does the Lord want us to minister to him? This is weird, right? Because here, the truth is, this is uncomfortable for me. Look, I'm a pastor. When I think of the word ministry, I think of you. <laughs> I think of people. Why? Because people need ministry. Why does God need ministry? God, if any of you are wondering, God is perfectly secure in who he is. He, 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 he's perfectly secure. I mean, he, he does not need you to minister to him. He's completely confident in who he is. He's God. So why does he ask us to minister to him? He asks us to minister to him because he loves us. Because when we minister to him, it orients us to his kingdom. This is really important. Otherwise, you're never going to get what happens here. I'm being really serious. When you come to minister to the Lord, it takes your eyes off of your earthly reality and forces your eyes unto him. And when you force your eyes unto him, you realize he's your inheritance. And all of a sudden, these earthly troubles, these earthly traumas seem a lot smaller when our eyes are on him. So the Lord asks us to minister to him because it orients us to him. He's like, I'm, God's fine. He doesn't need, you know, we could all turn from him and he would still sit on the throne. We could all, we could all, the whole bride of Christ could just completely denounce him and he was still one. <laughs> yeah, he so loves us. What does it say about us that he wants your ministry? It says that he loves you because when you look, the veil is removed and you behold him. He takes you from one degree of glory to another. This is our call. Amen, church. And this is what the Lord is doing in our house. It's what he's doing in our church. And Isaiah 56 says that when we minister to him, he brings us to the mountain and he fills us with joy. Abide in me, remain in me. I tell you these things. Why? So that your joy may overflow. Okay. Is turning to Jesus and ministering to him and singing songs to him, is it going to heal every relationship we have? No. It's probably not. I hope it does. I pray it does. But I've spent a lot of time looking at Jesus, and it didn't always heal every relationship I have. There's still work that we have to do here, but what I can tell you is when I come to minister to him and I look at him, I realize I don't need to use people to make me feel better about myself. I realize that I'm actually a lot healthier because I'm walking in humility so that when I'm trying to figure out relationally, I'm actually able to have conversations with people because I'm not trying to use them because I'm completely secure in who I am because I realize he's my inheritance. Okay, it's a really good word. And here's the truth. There has always been an attack on our worship. There's, it's really the only 
real shot that the enemy has. It's about getting you to worship other things that aren't him. Uh, to get you to, to worship your job. Uh, to get you to find your identity in people. This is why the Christian music industry, it's like there's more Christian music for profit these days than like just the purity of singing him a song. You know, there's an attack on your worship. And it's, and it's real. And there's an attack to make you go minister to people before you get filled up by him. And if your first ministry is to people and not to God, you'll probably end up getting burnt out. It's not that you're not supposed to minister to people. Please, I'm like right now in my like pastoral prophetic, pastoral prophetic. It's like so annoying. I just wish I could stay in one for one sermon. <laughs> but I just know people take things extreme and I'm like, well, the Bible's a complete picture, you know, so... But, but there's an attack on worship, and there's an attack on worship music. Uh, and I'm going to talk to you about this for a couple minutes. And I'm just going to be really honest with you, can I? Um, worship music in today's culture, and even in our church, uh, is, there's, is usually more about you than him. And uh, I'll tell you, I never led worship in my life, and then I... I became over the worship team here. God, what a great plan. And, and I remember the first, I'm just going to be really real. This, this isn't a correction. This is like moving us in the right direction. Amen. And I'll be really honest with you. The first few months of me leading this team were so hard. And they were hard because of the feedback from people. Um, I am a people person, and, and here's the truth. Feedback is good. You have full permission to give feedback here. Like, we want to grow in excellence, so don't hear what I'm not saying. We want to grow in excellence. We want to grow as a community and all of those things. And the feedback that I would always get was this. Why do you guys play new songs all the time? Why don't you play more new songs? Why do you guys play spontaneous stuff? It distracts me. It doesn't sound good. Why don't the singers sound better? Why don't you have drums more? Why don't you have electric guitar more? It really bugs me when you repeat things. It loses its power, and then I can't stay focused. Um, it's too loud. It's too quiet. <laughs> Can you play more hymns? I don't like hymns. That's not me speaking. I love hymns. <laughs> but it was brutal. I'm just being really honest with you. This is what worship leaders have to deal with. And that's why so many of them get burnt out. That's why so many of them, like, just try and worship for profit. Because no matter what you do, the people care way too much. And so one day, for every, for every like, feedback I would get in one area, I'd get it in the opposite area. So I'm a people person. I really care about pleasing people. It's part of my problem in life. <laughs> and so I'm, my soul's in agony because all these people are giving me opposite feedback. 
One says, you should repeat more. The other says, stop repeating. The other one says, you need drummers. The other one says, I hate drummers. (laughs) You think I'm joking. I'm not. And so I said, Lord, I don't know what the heck to do. What do I do? I... I get all this feedback, the production, what do I do? I've never led worship in my life. And he says to me one day, he's like, have you ever asked me what I think? He's like, it's not for them. It's for me. That first hour of our service, I don't care what you think. You know, I mean, just being really honest with you, I care about what God thinks. And I'll allow your feedback to help us grow, to get better as a community and as a worship team. We want to grow in excellence. But the truth is, that space is for him. That space, so I'm going to sing songs that make him smile. And if, you know, if you don't like repeating things, there's one song in heaven playing for eternity, so you better get used to it. You know? Man, that went over a lot better than I thought it did. so nervous to say some of that stuff (laughs) but (laughs) but here's the deal here's what I want to make something abundantly clear though okay this is important one of the things that I believe is uh, runs rampant and there there is a whole like Levitical movement happening in the church right now and it's really really beautiful like I'm talking about the church at large. Um, one of the concerns that I have with it, being really honest, is that it makes the language that is sometimes used, I do not believe this is the heart, but the language that's sometimes used is if I just sing songs that God likes, then he'll come. If I scratch God's back, he'll scratch mine. God's not a genie in a bottle. God is an omnipresent God. He is His glory is fully in this room. (laughs) His glory is fully inside of you. And worship isn't to conjure God up for him to come. Worship is a tool (laughs) and a life that stops looking in and looks up. The reason why some worship songs practically work better than others is because they're less about you and more about him. Worthy of it all works every single time. And it doesn't work because God likes that song more than no longer slaves. There are certain times where God loves us to sing no longer slaves. But the thing about worthy of it all is that that's true forever. And it, it orients us to his kingdom. So it's not that when we sing that his glory comes more. It's that, oh, wow, we just start realizing he's here. Amen? So can we use that language, please? 
Like, I don't want us to have a culture where it's like, oh, God really likes that song. You know, like we really scratched his back good and then he came. It's like, no, we're on a journey of trying to figure out what God's doing. What's the song he's singing? What's the song he's singing over us and what can we sing back to him? Amen. All right. I'm done. Oh, one more thing. This is the most important. Um, Sometimes, this is going to head into ministry time, but um, sometimes the way that the Lord teaches us how to minister to him is by stripping us of everything. Just going to be really honest. Uh, I've even been thinking of my own story this week as I've been preparing this message um, I've been walking intimately with God now. I've walked with him my whole life, but I've intimately been walking with him. This January will be a decade. And, um, and God, didn't ch- God changed my life through vertical ministry. He has sustained it through horizontal. Um, but essentially, when I was 18, 19 years old, I was the most broken I've ever been. Um, I don't, I want to make this really short. My parents got divorced. They were both alcoholics. They loved God more than anything. And then all of a sudden they don't. Our family gets divorced. We lose everything. I was supposed to be, I, I won't say I was supposed to be. I wanted to be a division one college athlete and I was heading in the right direction. And then in high school, I tore my MCL three times and literally everything in my life before the age of 19, like, was completely stripped from me. I was complete, when I had went to college, I was completely and utterly dreamless. I had no dreams. Every dream that I have, dream of having a healthy family, dream of, like, I mean, little dream, like, dreams of just, like, having a good relationship with my parents, right? Like, a dream of, of you know, uh, I was dreamless, <laughs> And it was scary and terrible and rotten and hard. And I went to college and I was essentially suicidal. I was like, God, if you don't prove yourself to be real to me, then, then, then I don't want to live anymore. And I began fervently seeking him with everything that I had because I, I was truly at the place where it's like, if he doesn't meet me, I'm done. Like if... I don't know, not, I don't think everybody knows that kind of agony, but it was like I had no dreams. Could you imagine having no dreams and no desires? Nothing. And it was in that place when I began to seek him, he slowly, slowly, slowly began to met me, meet me. And it was just me and him. I had no dreams to be a pastor. I, uh, golly, do I seem like the kind of guy that wants to be a pastor? Like, no dream to be a pastor, no dream to be a worship leader, none, none of it. I had no dreams. And yet, I just showed up in a prayer room, and I sang to him, and he would sing back to me. And now I'll go wherever he wants to go. I'll do whatever he wants me to do. I don't care if he asks me to leave this church tomorrow. I will. It's like my ministry is under him. This is, this is what he did in David. He anointed him king as a little boy. 
And he had to wait decades until he was king. He was given a promise and then had to wait in a shepherd field for years and years and years and years. He had to hide in caves and where the Lord taught him and put the desire inside of him, the one thing that I ask, the one thing that I long for is to gaze upon the beauty of God in the temple. This is the woman at the well, divorced five times, has nothing. God looks at her and says, yeah, you're mine. Jesus says, you're going to be a worshiper in spirit and truth. For some of you who haven't learned to minister to him because you're holding your dreams too high. I felt this strong this week. Um, I think there are so many people in here where you're holding your dreams really, really high and they keep not happening. And you're really struggling with disappointment. Your ministry dreams, your vocational dreams, your family dreams, they just, the door just keeps shutting. And my suggestion to you is that maybe the Lord is just inviting you into a season of learning. I don't care if I ever preach. I don't care if I ever sing. I don't care. I just want you. And sometimes we can so partner with disappointment that we miss the invitation where he wants to birth inside of you the one thing that is him. Amen? All right, and so let's just, uh, let's just turn down the lights. And I really, I, I felt like really specifically for ministry time tonight, we already touched the glory in first worship. <laughs> And I feel like if you're really struggling with disappointment, I'm going to invite the ministry team up. Um, if you're really struggling with disappointment, I want you to come up and I want you to get prayer um, for courage to enter into the season that God has you in. So if you've been longing for a certain position, if you've been longing for a certain career change, if you've been, if you've been longing for A, B, C, and D, and the door just keeps shutting, it's because the Lord's wanting to teach you something. Because I know one thing, he cares more about your dreams for your life than you do. He loves you more than you love yourself. He's not a God of disappointment. He's a God of joy and faith and love. And sometimes it's a painful journey to purge all that stuff out. And so ministry team, can you come up? And then if you're struggling with disappointment, come up. Other than that, you are free to go. I just asked that you'd be quiet. But I asked Becca and Pedro to, to actually play ministry time. And I particularly think Pedro's gonna release something with this guitar. Uh, this was a guy who like wanted a career change really, really bad for like four years, yeah, and it was really hard. Like he was applying for jobs that like he should have got 10 times over. The dude's got his master's degree, you know what I'm saying? And he, every single door was shutting, and yet he kept showing up time and time again to minister unto the Lord. 
And so I feel like for some of you, like Pedro's just and Becca are just going to prophesy over you with their instruments. But other than that, it is late and you are totally free to go. I'm going to Maui and I'm really happy about it. And I'm not going to think about any of you at all. And so, yeah, if you're struggling with disappointment, come on up. Other than that, be blessed and we love you.